0: All right, amen. Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I invite you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 29. Exodus 29, we're going to be looking at verses 38 through 46 as we continue our study through the book of Exodus. So yesterday I undertook a task that is one of the more emotionally challenging ones out of the whole year for me. And that is taking down the Christmas decorations, Uh, because in reality, there are two people in this world. There are those that have a hard and fast rule about when you can begin celebrating Christmas and for, for, you know, the day after Thanksgiving at the earliest for these people. And then there are others who are a little bit more open with it. I find myself in the latter category. I am humming jingle bells in like August. Okay. So I know how to exercise my freedom in Christ. And so it's just always so hard the day that you have to take the Christmas decorations down. You know, I mean, just as you're taking the the decorations and the ornaments off the tree, you're just remembering just the joy that you experienced putting them up. And now it's all come to an end and, and it's just so hard and so sad and so heartbreaking. And as I said, it's, it's emotionally difficult for me. Uh, but, you know, this year, uh, you know, and Callie and I both kind of felt the same way. We were kind of ready for it. You know, we were we were ready to go ahead and take them down, kind of put the house sort of back to normal, whatever normal is in our house and, and, and just kind of move on with our with our lives. Get on with the year, you know. And I think that we felt that way. And I think a lot of us feel this way uh, because this year in particular, we were uh, hopefully anticipating 2021. Amen. Anybody else there? You just, we were just eager for the calendar to flip over for the, just to be, you know, a different number at the end of the year, just to kind of get on with it. We were hopeful. We were anxious. We were eager for a new year. And that's kind of what I'm going to get into today is talking about this anticipation, this hope, and really how our ultimate hope lies in our identity as the people of God. And so basically what I'm getting ready to do is squeeze a new year's sermon out of two verses in Exodus. So buckle up. Here we go. Uh, This is our big idea this morning. Our big idea as we look at Exodus 29 is that we aren't just saved from something. We are saved to something that is to God as the people of God, which gives us the ultimate hope. So look with me, if you will, Exodus 29, starting in verse 38. Now, this is what you shall offer on the altar, two lambs, a year old, day by day, regularly. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. And with the first lamb, a tenth measure of fine flour, mingled with a fourth of a hen of beaten oil, a fourth of a hen of wine for a drink offering. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight and shall offer it with a grain offering and its drink offering as in the morning for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak to you there. There, will, there I will meet with the people of Israel and it shall be sanctified by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting in the altar. Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray as we continue this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you humbly and joyfully with you as our God that we also call our Father. We ask that you might teach us this morning, as we look at your word, this great truth that we are your people. We are called out with a purpose, and that gives us unshakable hope. We ask that you do so now this morning. Amen. Well, as I said, what we see from this text, I think, is that We aren't just saved from something, but we are saved to something. This was the case with the children of Israel. We looked at uh, last week, the last two chapters... Very much this ordination service for the priests. If you remember, Pastor Brad walked us through the office of the priest. We got that neat handout that actually had the pictures of the vestments and this great detail of the priestly office. And we talked about how ultimately it pointed to Christ as our great high priest. Well, in this ordination service, this chapter kind of ends with that great statement that the Lord makes to the people that that now they are called out of Egypt to be his people. They rescued from something that is bondage in Egypt and they rescued to something. He says that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. So we seen that they are brought out of Egypt for a purpose. When God rescued them from their bondage and he split the red sea, he didn't get them to the other side and drop them off and say, okay, kids, good luck. Have fun in the wilderness. Best of luck to you. Go be free. You know, No tip, just the normal fare. Good luck with all that. No, he let them, he gathered them to himself to consecrate a covenant with them, to make them his people. And this idea, this theme of a people of God, a people for God, is something that we have seen prevalent throughout all of scripture up to this point. It is a major theme of scripture. We saw it first in the book of Genesis, in the opening chapters, when God creates man and he creates him in his image. He gives him a job to do representing him to all creation. He plants a beautiful garden of Eden and puts man in there where he works along with his wife in perfect fellowship with God. And it says that God even walked in the garden in the cool of the day. Clearly, this was man as the people of God representing God to creation. But we know that that's not how it would go forever. In Genesis chapter 3, we get this great turning point in the biblical narrative and man sins against God and taking the fruit that was forbidden. And then God exiles as punishment, exiles man from the garden. He is cast out from the garden, cast out from that spiritual blessing and fellowship that he had with his creator. And now he is exiled and he is banished. The people of God seem to be no more. In fact, then throughout the remaining chapters that we see in Genesis, it seems like it only gets worse and worse. And mankind descends into greater and greater sin and wickedness culminating in the great flood. But then there's hope. In Genesis chapter 12 and 15, God calls Abraham with this promise that through him he will make a people too numerous to count like the stars in the sky and that through this people all the nations of the earth will be blessed this promise is then confirmed in the birth of Isaac reiterated to Jacob and preserved through the work of Joseph God's promises are coming true he will make for himself a people again but then in the opening chapters of Exodus we see that this people who have truly grown they are a great and people numerically, but they are in bondage in Egypt. They are enslaved to the Egyptians and a pagan king. Where was God? What happened to the promises to Abraham? And this then is what God is reminding them here in chapter 29. He reminds them of what he rescued them from. God had not abandoned them. He would remember his promises to Abraham in Exodus 3, verse 7, God's telling Moses in that great burning bush scene. He said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. God had not abandoned his covenant promise to Abraham and he was not ignoring the cries of his people. He would with a mighty hand rescue them from their bondage in Egypt and bring them to themselves. He saved them. And now he's bringing them to himself where he would dwell among them as the people of God. He's rescued them from something, that is slavery in Egypt, to something, that is to be a people called out and proclaiming his excellencies. Now, as new covenant believers, we have a similar story. We have a similar history of rescued from something and to something turn with me to ephesians chapter 2 where i think we see this very clearly ephesians chapter 2 is one of these great passages where paul really outlines the history of salvation in a people we get to see this great juxtaposition of where we were before christ and now where we are and notice as we look at this passage the before and the after notice what we are rescued from and what we are rescued to in Ephesians chapter two, the first three verses, Paul reminds the church in Ephesus of this. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's a bad place to be. That's not a very good, happy description. Now, if you're familiar with this text, you're probably waiting for the great turning point, that that beautiful phrase, but God. But hold with me for a minute, because I want to show you how he describes them again later on in the chapter. Starting in verse 11, he says this, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by the hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ and alienated from the commonwealth of israel and strangers to the covenant of promise having no hope and without god in the world now again that is a bleak description look at the what we were rescued from he says in ephesians 2 the beginning of the chapter that we are dead in sins we are in bondage to sin that's what this is this is a description of slavery a slavery to sin and death Under the wrath of God. And then later when we looked at it, he says that they were separated from the people of God. Strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Again, that's not a good place to be. That is what we are rescued from. Slaves to sin under the wrath of God, separated from the covenant promises of the people of God, without God in the world. Not a place you want to find yourself. Amen. The something then that we have been saved from was dead in sin. Under the wrath of God, separated from the people of God. But, and here's that beautiful phrase. One of the loveliest phrase in all of scripture. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us For we are his workmanship, created for something, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Did you catch it? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're not only rescued from the bondage of sin and death and the wrath of God, but we are rescued to something, that is to be the people of God, created for good works. That we should walk in them, that we would... Proclaim his immeasurable riches of his grace for all eternity. Now look at the second part of that second passage, starting in verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 2. Look at what God has done. Look at what he has rescued us to. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Has now made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So no longer Jew and Gentile, no longer separated from the Christ in the commonwealth of Israel, but brought together in one new man, one new, full and complete people of God. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the father so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. Did you catch it? Rescued from sin and death, alienation outside of the people of God and without God in the world. Rescued to the people of God, restored as the people of God, to walk in good works, to proclaim his excellencies as one people. And so there's something we are saved to is God himself, to belong to him and to be counted part of the household of God. OK, OK, but this is the point where you get to. So what? Right. I promised a New Year's sermon. And right now you're going, OK, this is good kind of preachery stuff but what does this mean for us and the backside of 2020 in a new year hopeful and anticipating prayerfully better things the great truth of being saved to be the people of god is that it is a great hope and comfort to us in a brand new year after a particularly difficult one how Because the great reality is, as the people of God, as the redeemed and called out saints of God, even in the midst of a difficult time, we know the end of the story. Look at Revelation 21. And this is where you get excited because you go, ooh, a New Year's sermon with a reference to Revelation in it? This is going to be good. Hopefully I won't disappoint. Revelation 21, the first four verses say this. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Tell me that this doesn't give us hope at the end of 2020. 2020. We have hope as the people of God because we know the end of the story. We know that the promises of God will come true and that we are promised to dwell with Him, that He will be our God and He will wipe away every tear. There will be no more crying, no more pain. The former things have passed away. We have hope today. Because we are banking on the fact that God will bring us to completion, that he will bring us together with him as the people of God restored. Death shall be no more. There'll be no more crying, no more pain. This gives us a great and unshakable hope. Now, I think there are two implications of this reality. Two things for us to, to consider now. So, in light of the fact that we have this great hope as the redeemed people of God, saved to himself, we have two there are two great implications of this. One it means that we don't fear the days and the troubles of them. We don't fear the days and the troubles of them, because we know That we have an unshakable hope. Listen to what the psalmist says, Psalm forty six, verses one through seven. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. That sounds very twenty twenty, doesn't it? Right? I mean you read this and you're like, Bro, he knows. Is our fortress. This is the great reality for those who are counted as the people of God. That no matter what comes our way, even a 2020, God is our refuge and strength. God is our help and our redeemer. And he will not fail us. He will keep us. He will sustain us. He will bring us to Revelation 21. He will see that great reality come to bear. He will keep us through. So no matter what comes our way, we don't balk. We don't flinch, even in a bad year, even in the midst of disease, even in the midst of political upheaval. We don't flinch because our great identity is in the people of God, and he will carry us through. It reminds me of Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, this is the context of him talking about uh, giving to the church, the preachers and the teachers. And then there's a reason for this. Listen to this. He gives to the church, teachers and preachers. This is Ephesians four, 14 through 16, so that we may no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like this past year I got more information then I knew what to do with. And probably the majority of it wasn't even true. Anybody else feel like that? I mean, there's just so much happening, right? And in your pocket, you have like access to all of it. And you don't know if you can believe any of it, right? I mean, everything from, let's just say vaccines, no vaccines, masks, no masks. Elections, no elections, like all of these things are happening and you're like, I don't know what's going on. And there's a temptation to feel like the rug is pulled out from underneath you. But the great hope that we have is that not only will God bring us to completion, but even now he's gifted us with the equipment to get through it so we don't have to be rocked. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You know what God gifts the church? By his spirit, he gives us each other. So that we speak the truth in love to each other so that out there with all its noise, with all its craziness, with all its fake news and fact checking and whatever, man, we don't flinch. We keep on marching on. And it also brought to mind, I heard in a podcast earlier this week, this great quote. And I was like, oh, I got to use that. So I, I wrote it down and you can picture me like with my phone having to keep going back. So I got it right verbatim. You're like, Oh wait, no back there. Listen to this. This is, this is in a conversation on this podcast with Dr. David Gordon, who's a professor at Grove city college. He says this, he makes this statement. The church is not a little 12 foot sailboat that gets blown around all over the place. She's the queen Mary for crying out loud. She ought to go on and chart her own course, and she ought to devote herself to the word and to prayer and the ordinances of the church. And this deflect off her, and this deflect off her. She should be making waves, not rolling in them. And by God's grace, we can. By God's grace, as the people of God, we don't get tossed around. I know, you know, sitting here, some of us feel a little punch drunk after 2020. And I think that's probably normal, but we know that we will, the ship will right itself. We will continue on by the grace of God. He will see us through as His people. We don't fear the days, we don't fear the troubles, because our great hope rests not in what 2021 will bring, but what Revelation 21 will bring. And it just so happened that it worked out like that with the numbers. But I thought it's, you know, it's pretty catchy, right? So that's the big takeaway. Say, I'm not counting on 2021. I'm counting on Revelation 21. We'll make (laughs) t-shirts. But that's the great truth. No matter what happens, good or ill, we have an unshakable hope as the people of God. Because our foundations don't rest on anything of this world. So when the rug gets pulled out from underneath you, we weren't standing on that rug anyway. Now, our second implication of this, we don't fear the troubles of the days. And we also have an appropriate anticipation of the days ahead, knowing that we look forward to a greater hope. Now, I know all of us are eager for 2021. Like I said, if no other reason, it's just got a different number in it. And we can put this this crazy year behind us. Some of us are very eager for things to to change, for things to open up. Uh, I've been missing movie theaters, you know? Like, uh, I feel like if I'm going to leave the house, if I have to leave the house, I want to be fed and entertained. And you take (laughs) restaurants away and movie theaters away, and I'm like, maybe it is the apocalypse. We are hopeful. We are anticipating. And I know, I I say that lightly, but I know that for some of us, 2020 has been... uh, An an irritating inconvenience. But for some of us, these have been the darkest days we've known. We've seen fear, death, despair, grief. Oh, we are so hopeful for a new year and all the promises that it brings. I mean, like you get out your phone and you go to Google and you hit V and it automatically comes up vaccine, right? Like we're just eager, we're waiting for all the promises that are on the horizon, and that's good. As I said, I'm looking forward to something. I'm looking forward to going to a baseball game because that got taken away last summer. You know, it finally came in in like midseason, and they had like cardboard cutouts in the stands, and I was like, oh, okay, no, that's no. But as the people of God, we have to remember that our hope is set on a greater horizon. Listen to what the Bible says. Philippians 3, 20 through 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I'm sorry. I don't care what good news 2021 brings. It doesn't trump that. We don't get excited just about Scientific breakthroughs, we get excited because our citizenship is in heaven and we don't just await salvation through scientific and medical achievements. We await our savior who will transform our body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Hebrews thirteen fourteen. For here we have no lasting city. No lasting city. So, you know, when things seem politically disrupted, hey, it's not going to last. We have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come because that one can't be disrupted. And we don't have to fear an election process because God rules and reigns as king. This is what Spurgeon says, speaking of of us as as saints. But spiritually, their politics are spiritual. And as citizens, they look to the interest of that divine republic to which they belong. And they wait for the time when, having patiently borne with the laws of the land of their exile, they will come under the more gracious rule of him who reigns in glory, the King of kings and Lord of lords. No matter what good things 2021 brings our way, and I pray that it brings some good things, let's not let that distract us. From the better things. Absolutely. Let's not be fooled and seduced into falling in love with the temporary. You know, it, it, it's funny because we so easily fall into that, right? Uh, you know, it's kind of like our big indictment all the way up to 2019 is, oh, we got it so easy. And then 2020 happened. And it's like, okay, preacher, what are you going to hit us with now? Right? And, but I think even in that, we saw the grace of God. I know I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, back in like April, you know, everything was shut down, no restaurants to go to, no movies to go to all the sports got taken away. And it's like, man, there's nothing to watch on TV. I guess I'll go read the Bible. And it was actually a, a season of spiritual growth. I mean, I felt like I was going to like lead the next wave of like the Puritans. You know, I was growing so much because all the distractions were taken away. And then what happened? Summer went on. You know, baseball came back. You know, you could go out and get a burger somewhere. You know, they released The Mandalorian Season 2 on Disney+. Plus. Anybody else? Amen? Yeah? And what happened? Fell right back into those distractions. That's how easily, you know, when the whole world seems to be ending and it's like, all I have is Jesus in April, and then in August it's like, oh, okay, well, we're good. Let's not lose sight of even when blessings and prosperity come our way even in 2021 when hopefully we'll see you know the kind of wheels solidify and everything kind of goes back on track let's not lose the fact that we don't belong here anyway that our greatest hope is not in a new year but in a new kingdom and a new heaven and a new earth listen to this stanza from A hymn from John Wesley. And don't worry, I'm going to read it. I'm not going to sing it. So I see everybody making for the exit. Listen to what John Wesley says. How happy is the pilgrim's lot. How free from every anxious thought. From worldly hope and fear. Confined to neither court nor cell. His soul disdains on earth to dwell. He only sojourns here. Oh, may that be true of us. That we only are here temporarily. And that's a great hope because no matter how bad things get, we know that our gracious God who has rescued us from sin and death to himself will carry us through to completion, to glory. And we know that even when things get better and we're not settling, we got our eyes on a greater prize. So in closing, to wrap it all up, the children of Israel were brought by God out of bondage in Egypt and into covenant with him to be his people that he may dwell among them. As the saints of God today, we have been brought out of the bondage of sin and into fellowship with him by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ as his people, that we may proclaim his excellencies as we look to a never-ending kingdom that is ours in Christ our Lord. So let us go then with hopeful anticipation, walking in that truth. Heavenly Father God, we, we do hope for better days. We do hope for reprieve from the fear and the chaos that had seemed so prevalent in the recent months. We ask for mercy to be poured out on us. But God, we also ask that you would constantly draw us closer and nearer to you. That we would look forward, not just to a new year, but to the final and full restoration of the kingdom of God. The redeemed people of God, enjoying perfect and full fellowship with you forever. This is our great hope. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I well, want you now to stand with me as we go out saying our benediction. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy.